Is it too early to get hyped about the 2018 Chiefs offense? Of course it's not too early. Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome to the Chief of the North podcast, the land of 10,000 takes. I'm your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, or Seth Kaiser, and it is a good week to be a Chiefs fan. It is a snowy week to be a Chiefs fan up here in Minnesota. We already have like five or six inches. From the looks of things, the way it's coming down right now, I'm pretty sure my whole house is going to be buried shortly, so that'll be festive. Uh, But regardless, I will not let, you know, neither rain, sleet, snow, nothing will stop me from talking about the Chiefs to you fine people because I kind of enjoy it, to be perfectly honest. So this week, I have a kind of a special topic. For me, they're all special topics, but this one in particular is something I've been looking at for a while. I, I wanted to go back and look at what happened in 2017 to try to figure out what might happen in 2018. Uh, Some of the things that Andy Reid has said recently and some of the things that we saw in Week 17 against the Broncos, they've kind of all coalesced together in my my brain, as it were, (laughs) to make me start thinking about what is the Chiefs offense going to look like this next year. And it started with some quotes from Andy Reid that I'm going to talk about and that made me really start thinking, especially when paired with the Sammy Watkins signing and some other stuff and so I want to talk about what exactly we might see in 2018 and how it might be even more crazy than what we saw in 2017 so that's what I'm going to be talking to you about this week and then I'm going to try to do a a giant sized mailbag because you guys sent me so many questions so we're going to do those two things today first things first one housekeeping thing that I want to do well I don't know if I'd call it housekeeping maybe a plug I don't know I don't know what the terminology for this stuff is because let's face it I'm not a professional but here here's the deal Arrowhead Pride has actually started a a podcast network. So if you listen to what I do, you're obviously someone who likes podcasts. If you're someone who likes podcasts and who also likes the Chiefs, you should take a listen to some of the other podcasts they've got on the network. What we're going to be doing this whole offseason is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're going to have a new podcast. Monday is me, the Chief in the North. On Wednesdays is the AP Chiefs podcast, and that's with Pete Sweeney, with Joel Thorman, the blog father, of course, the boss of us all, really. And with Sean Barber, former Chiefs linebacker, they are a little bit longer show than than what I do. And obviously, you know, there's three of them, so it's so much easier. No one has to grind like I do, guys, is the main point here. That's the whole reason I'm, I'm telling you these things. So you know how hard I work. Anyway, they're always a really fun listen. I really enjoy Sean's insight. Uh, it's always awesome to hear a former player who knows more about football than all of us combined give some insight and that that's a really good time and then on Fridays especially for those of you who are really into the draft that's the AP draft show with Kent Swanson and and his his partner in crime I guess I would call him Jake Stack who is actually an old buddy of mine I I know from high school way back when I've got a particular soft spot for the AP draft show because they talk about me a lot, and it's almost always positive. So check those out if you haven't. I think you can find them on iTunes and probably other places too, but that, again, is not my specialty. So that's my quick plug. Let's start talking about film, okay? So I was minding my own business, just kind of doing my usual thing, reading about the Chiefs, thinking about the Chiefs, talking about the Chiefs, incessantly annoying my wife with the amount that I do all of those things. And... I re-listened, because this this is what I do. I'm sorry, I have a problem. I re-listened to the Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes press conference 
um, that they had fairly recently where Reed, you know, talked about a little bit about Marcus Peters. That was the main reason I listened the first time to see what he'd say about Peters, see what he'd say about Alex Smith. And I didn't really pay a ton of attention to some of the stuff. A lot of those press conferences are kind of fluff, right? You get a lot of coach speak. You get a lot of, you know, Patrick Mahomes getting introduced. Obviously, he's going, I'm here to work hard. I'm going to give 110%. Uh, It's all about getting a little better every day. All that stuff, which is all true, but it's boring because you've heard it a million times before. And so I wasn't paying a ton of attention during that. However, when when I listened to it again... Uh, with a little bit different intention in mind, something caught my ear, I guess would be the right way to phrase it. So when Andy Reid was asked uh, an exceptional question by Therese Paler, who of course does a great job with this kind of stuff, about how he prepared for Week 17 with Patrick Mahomes quarterbacking, and this it was all under the umbrella of what made Andy comfortable moving forward with Patrick this next year. And part of it was obviously seeing him in action in Week 17. So Therese asked, you know, did you do anything special for the game plan? And Reed actually gave some really good insight here. And you can find this on, on you know, KCChiefs.com or if you go to Arrowhead Pride or if you just Google it, you'll be able to find this press conference or breakdowns of the press conference. Um... He actually said, well, let's walk back a minute. And he went to he went back before the 2017 season. What he said is he sat down and, and he, he looked at some of the things that Alex Smith did very successfully in college, uh, where he operated a spread offense in Utah. And he, he looked at those things and he thought about, well, what are these things, what are some of these things that he did well that I can incorporate into our offense here in the pros? Something he hasn't, to directly quote Reed, something he hadn't done at the NFL level, something he hadn't been given at the NFL level. And so that's one of the cool things about Reed is he does a great job trying to figure out how to make his quarterback successful. So what he did, according again to Andy Reed, he he talked to Alex and they decided, okay, what of these concepts from Utah would you like to incorporate into the offense? And so they did. And then as we all saw this last year, the Chiefs offense was fairly different in 2017 than previous iterations. It was much more of a hybrid spread offense with West Coast principles intertwined into it. And there were multiple great articles written about it um, on Bleacher Report, on The Ringer, um, on Arrowhead Pride. (laughs) A lot of people wrote about the fact that Reed was essentially running a lot of college concepts in his offense, and the Chiefs obviously did quite well with it, even with that midseason swoon, which in my opinion was a lot more execution-based than it was schematic-based. They they took the NFL by storm, especially early on. And so it was a really cool thing to see, and Andy commented on that when talking about Patrick. And this is where it starts to become relevant for 2018, okay? So Reed talks about doing that with Alex, and then he said, so I did kind of the same thing with Patrick in... In, in the Week 17 game. I sat down with him and I talked to him about you know some of the things that he would like to see incorporated in the offense that he did well in college. Well, as everyone knows, Patrick Mahomes ran an air raid offense at Texas Tech. What What is an air raid offense? It's like a spread offense on steroids, basically. Receivers are everywhere. It's chaos. Um, it's long been considered a way too simplistic system for the pros. It's also been considered something that you can't really get away with in the pros because defenses are too fast, secondaries are too talented, you can't get the same speed advantages that you have in college where wide receivers are often quite a bit faster than the defensive backs. Just the the idea is that stuff doesn't work in the pros. Well, Reed talked to Mahomes about what are we going to do when when they talked about what are we going to do in, in week 17, 
he actually talked to him about incorporating some of that. And so I thought about that and I was like, man, what that tells me when you combine these two things, and so follow me on this, if Andy Reid was looking to Alex Smith's college film of how to see how to build an offense for the entire year, there's no reason to assume he wouldn't do the same thing with Mahomes over the course of an entire year. And the fact that he did it with his very first game tells me something that made me think, I bet we could probably glean a little bit of what we're going to see in 2018 from what we saw in week 17. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. So I went back and watched the film trying to figure out, well, what was different? And it was really obvious right away the Chiefs were in even more of a spread offense in Week 17 than they were at any point throughout the year in 2017. And so it was really fun to watch. Like in, So I went back and I charted how many, uh, how many snaps they were in a spread look with, four, with three, four, or five receivers. Now, not every look with three receivers is a spread look, but we don't have time to get into that right now. But So what I found is that the very first drive of the game where they were actually against all of Denver's starters, they lined up in a spread offense uh, four out of five plays, and they marched down the field and scored. They actually lined up with five receivers multiple times, and then four receivers the best of the, the the rest of the time, including the play where Kareem Hunt ran in a 35-yard touchdown. That started off as a five-receiver look with Hunt lined up as a wide receiver. Then he motioned into the backfield and scored a touchdown. And if you look at the rest of the game, the Chiefs ran a ton of spread looks. They actually ran spread looks over 70% of their snaps. And so in shotgun with the defense spread way out. And as I watched that, it was really impressive to see one, how Mahomes operated it, and two, how the Chiefs were able to create some mismatches with it. And so I think it's really important that we take a look at what they did there. And you gotta ask yourself, is that what we're going to see moving forward? Is that what we're going to see from the Chiefs moving forward, this even more of a spread offense look? And I think the answer might be yes, and there's a couple reasons for this. First, it's what Mahomes does best. You can see it watching him in that Week 17 game, even with you know playing with mostly backups against a, a mix of Denver starters and backups. You could see that he was at his most comfortable with multiple receivers on the field, taking the snap from shotgun, and having time to survey the field. Mahomes is a different animal from Alex Smith. Alex Smith's specialty was pre-snap reads. He was most comfortable getting a lot of time to survey the defense, making a decision pre-snap, and generally speaking, he was able to read the defense correctly and make a play accordingly. What Mahomes seems comfortable doing is surveying the defense post-snap. He's comfortable watching everyone run around, see where the safeties go, see whether they're in man or in zone, and then making a decision post-snap while going through his reads, maybe buying a little time with his feet. That is, and so a spread offense works perfectly for him because it creates mismatches across the field. So here's, here's where it all comes down to it. I really really like the idea of the Chiefs trying to do something this next year that we have not really seen at the NFL level. And here's what I mean by that. While the Chiefs incorporated some spread concepts in their offenses last year, and the Packers have been doing that for a while, the Patriots have been doing that for a while, a lot of teams have incorporated spread concepts. The Chiefs took it farther than almost anyone has. Actually, they took it farther than anyone has last season. I would like to see them push the envelope even farther. One thing that I really liked what they did in Week 17 was even though they were in a spread offense, the personnel they trotted out were tight ends, 
were running backs. Akeem Hunt lined up wide. Demetrius Harris lined up wide. They had guys lining up all over the field. Now, here's what you have to remember. Defenses don't base the personnel groups that they send in on alignment, right? There's no time to do that. You can't wait for the offense to line up and then send in all your guys. They base it on personnel. They look to see what personnel the offense has out there, then they send out their guys. Now, this becomes important when you're talking about how many tight ends and running backs you have on the field. Because if they've got a tight end and a running back on the field, the defense is going to be forced most of the time to march out another linebacker or march out some run-stopping defensive linemen. To, to they, they're going to try to match the personnel to what they think the Chiefs are doing, right? So let's say the Chiefs send out, um, now let's include the starters in this, you know, besides, let's say they send out a, a Demetrius Harris and Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt and, uh, you know, Williams, the new running back they signed who's a really good receiver. So now you've got, you've got two tight ends and you've got two running backs. Well, the personnel that the defense is going to be forced to send out is going to be largely run-stopping personnel. A lot of linebackers, some run-stopping defensive linemen. However, because the Chiefs have the personnel to line guys up wide, Kareem Hunt can line up wide, Spencer Ware can line up wide, Chuck Hendrick West can line up wide, Williams can line up wide, whoever makes it from that group. Obviously, Travis Kelsey can. Demetrius Harris can. He's not as good at it as I'd like, but he can. They can, they can line these guys up wide and spread out defenses and force linebackers to end up in coverage on receivers. And that is where you find yourself at an advantage. And then by motioning guys all over the field, you can reveal what kind of defense you're facing. And the Chiefs, in my opinion, may be uniquely suited to run a spread offense when other teams maybe can't get away with it. And the reason for that is the personnel that they have. This is why maybe... And this is why I'm thinking that, that this might be what they're doing, okay? Everyone, when they went out and signed Sammy Watkins, was like, really? I mean, hey, he looks great. I was thrilled about it after watching his film. But it seemed weird because they've got receivers already. However, as I said, one reason why teams would struggle to have a full-fledged spread offense in the NFL is you need your receivers to be able to create separation and be a lot faster than the defensive backs, and at the NFL level, that's tough. However, with Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill, suddenly you have a pair of guys who are able to create college-level separation. And when you throw in Travis Kelsey, a third guy who does that as well, who's virtually uncoverable, suddenly it's like, well, wait a minute. This is something you can do. And so the Chiefs, they with that personnel, and then you know they re-signed DeAnthony Thomas, who I he's been disappointing as a receiver, but he is very fast, he is very quick, and he actually would be best suited to a spread style offense. Um, Chris Conley has good deep speed, although I'm not sure where he fits into all of this, right? And so here's the other thing: they've gone out and pursued even more pass catchers. They're looking for Benjamin Watson, who is a more reliable receiver than Demetrius Harris, a better blocker too. But that's neither here nor there. I really hope they sign him. They're obviously they're also looking at Kendall Wright. Um, a, a very competent slot receiver. It seems like they're looking to load up on receivers, which would make sense if they're planning on trotting out four guys lined up as receivers every play. And so when you combine the personnel they already have with the personnel moves it looks like they're trying to attempt, that makes me think, wow, 
they might really be trying to do this. It really could work very well. And so what I want to do, I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk for another couple of minutes on why I think that would work so well for the Chiefs. I've talked about that a little already. I want to talk about that a little bit more. And then we're going to get into mailbag questions. And I'm going to try, like I said, I've got like 60 of them. I'm going to try to answer as many of them as I can because you guys are just that great. But we're going to do all that right after this. All right, we're talking spread offense and how the Chiefs could possibly incorporate that. I've talked about how some of the moves they've made make it at least appear that they are trying to load up on receivers. And I've talked about why I think the Chiefs may be uniquely suited to run the spread offense because of the speed they have at receiver and the number of competent guys they have at receiver, as well as the type of running backs that they have, guys who can line up all over the field. Because one concern people have expressed is, well, if they go to a spread offense, how are they going to run the ball? Well, if you go back and look at that first drive against Denver's starting defense, Kareem Hunt's lone run was that big touchdown. And so what you saw there was the Chiefs spreading out the defense by lining Kareem Hunt out wide. And by lining them up like that, by having multiple receivers out there, they forced Denver into a position to where they did not have any defensive run stoppers on the field. Their two defensive linemen, they were lined up in, in, in a dime set, essentially. So they had six guys in the box. Of those six guys, one of them was a safety, and stop me if this sounds familiar to you, Chiefs fans, because we've seen this, right? This is how the Chiefs were getting gashed in the run game. They had six guys in the box. One of them was a safety. Two of them were pass-rushing defensive linemen, both under 290 pounds. Then they had a pair of edge rushers and one linebacker. That's it. And so the Chiefs were at an immediate advantage, even with only five blockers moving forward, because the safety predictably made a bad play, because unless you're Eric Berry, you don't belong playing linebacker at when you're a safety. And so that created an inherent advantage that the Chiefs were able to take advantage of by motioning Kareem Hunt out of the receiver position and into the backfield and gashing them through the run. Just because you're running a spread offense does not mean you can't run the ball. And when you, especially when you have someone as talented at winning one-on-one situations as Kareem Hunt. And so Kareem Hunt is part of it. He can line up all over the field and force mismatches all over the field, as well as motion into the backfield and take advantage of light boxes. And that's why I think the Chiefs really could have an effective rushing attack, even if they go with a full-fledged spread offense, borderline air raid offense, with West Coast principles intertwined. I hope they take another step towards this. I hope we see four receivers out there constantly, because that would be so much fun to watch. Again, when your first three receivers on the field are Travis Kelsey... Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins, you have an inherent advantage over any defense because no one can cover those guys one-on-one. So you're forcing them into certain looks. Well, you reduce the efficacy of zone defenses when you spread them out. Zone defenses are inherently less effective because, as it makes sense, it's harder to cover, you know, you know, 20 square yards. I think it's a lot more than 20, but you get my point. It's harder to cover 50 square yards than it is 20 square yards, no matter how athletic you are. And so I'm excited to see what they might do this season. I really think we could see something that the NFL hasn't seen. Mahomes is a unique quarterback with unique strengths. He he is he is of an ilk that there haven't been a lot of guys like him in the NFL and I don't know if any guys like him have had an offensive mind like Andy Reid to help them out at least as in a head coach position. So I'm really excited to see what they do. I think they could be in a great position to really take another step and go from a, a spread West Coast offense hybrid to something that is more spread 
than and less West Coast. Now they'll still keep some of the same stuff because you you can't just be purely one thing in the NFL. But I would love to see them get even more aggressive and more borderline air raid than we saw last year. And I think when you look at the personnel they have, from Patrick Mahomes to the running backs to the tight ends to the wide receivers, I think they've got the personnel to pull it off. All right. That's what I've got for you with regards to that. And now we have all the mailbag questions. And there are a lot of them. So, Matt Stagner. Hey, Matty. How's it going, buddy? Really good guy. One of my very favorite people. He asks, if Wright and Watson sign, who are the odd men out? So, obviously, he's talking about Kendall Wright and Benjamin Watson. My assumption, if Wright signs, and maybe I'm wrong on this, I think we would see... Chris Conley go and now they've always liked Chris Conley and I like Chris Conley and I think he'll have a good year but I'd, I'd be surprised if Robinson were the one to go since they drafted him I'd be surprised if one of the other younger receivers were the ones to go my preference would be honestly based on what I've seen uh, would be that Robinson goes or one of the other younger guys and that they keep Conley because I love a four receiver set of Hill Watkins Wright and Conley. I think that's a killer four wide receiver set. So I hope that's the direction that goes. If Ben Watson signs, I'm assuming they get rid of Demetrius Harris, even though they recently paid him a $200,000 bonus. Um, I just don't... I like Watson because he is a he's a competent blocker. He's a really reliable receiver. He is a guy that you can count on to make the catches you need him to make and make good blocks. You want that. So I hope they sign both of them. I want to see them just go all in on offense. It'll be fun. Nick Adams asks, is the draft deep enough where we can get multiple contributors at key positions with a couple of our top 100 picks. Here's what I would say. Almost no draft is really a fit to get multiple contributors at key positions. It's just hard to do. If you look at even the best drafters in NFL history, their, their misses outweigh their hits. Here's my hope for every single draft. My hope is you get one good starter with high upside. That's it. If you can get that and then a couple of guys who can contribute and not be terrible and be average guys, you're pretty much ahead of the game there. If you can just get one or two guys who can who, who are good and then a couple guys who can just contribute. Um, I think they can. Whether or not they will, we'll see. Um, Adam Ellis asked, do you see a future for Chris Conley at Arrowhead? Um, I don't know. Um, given the amount of money that they just paid Watkins, I, I'm not sure what they're going to invest in wide receiver at the future. I think this is going to be an important year for him. Um, you know, I think he was on his way to a real solid year last year, but then he got injured, and it's just an unfortunate thing. I would like to see him have a really great year this year. He's got the physical tools, but we need to see it on the field. Um, Casey Fan and PA asks... Given what has happened to date, what do you think the Chiefs will focus on in the draft? Give us some names of who you want with our second and, and two third round picks. I wish I could give you names, man, but unfortunately, I'm not a draft guy. I'm just not. Um, that's for Kent Swanson. You want to listen to his podcast. They get super in-depth with a bunch of people. Um, I'm more of a positional need guy. I would really like to see the Chiefs focus on improving their secondary. I'd like to see some defensive line depth. Basically, the defense. The one spot on offense I'd like to see them address if Wynn or Hernandez somehow fall to that second-round pick. I think you got to go with those guys. I really love... What uh, I really love what they can do. So that would be my hope, but mostly I want to see defense taken because I think they still have some holes there that they need to address. Notice I'm talking only about the offense right now. That's because the defense still scares me a little bit. 
Adam McLean says, love your podcast. Well, th- these podcasts love you too, Adam. You think we can make a run at Vaccaro? How would he fit next to Barry? Um, Vaccaro, I think, would be a decent fit. My understanding is he's more of an in-the-box guy, but since Barry can play all over the field, that doesn't really bother me. Um, you know, I hope they make a run at any safety at this point. Any good safety would make me happy. And so I, uh, I, I just... I don't. I'm not comfortable with what they've got currently, and so any safety would make me happy at this point, including Vaccaro. Um, got a couple questions. I Paul Paul Flum man Paul. I cannot say Flum. We're gonna say it's a soft P. What should I pair with my smoked chicken, Paul? If you have been following for a while, you know my food takes are bad. I do not know anything about food. I would say, you know, rub some bacon on it. I don't know. But I am not a barbecue guy, unfortunately. However, if you ever look in my mentions, there are a lot of barbecue people that know stuff that that could help you way more than me. Dirty DNC KC, I don't even want to know, asks, is this defense just a cornerback, a safety, and a healthy D forward away from being good enough, or is it still a year away? I think the defense could be good enough, as it currently sits, but there's a lot of ifs there, right? There's a lot of ifs there. If Amerson plays as well as they're thinking he can be, if Steven Nelson retains the form that he closed out with last year, if they do something about the safety position, if the defensive line plays competently, if Chris Jones takes another step forward, there, there's a lot of ifs there. But yes, they could be good enough. The thing is, they may not have to be that good to be good enough this year. They just need to not be terrible like they were last year. And this actually brings us to our next question. The artist chief, um, who actually, um, I've, I, I'm friends with this guy on Facebook as well. And I'm sorry, man, I'm forgetting your name off the top of your head right now. I think it's Corey, but I can't recall. He does some good work with regards to... Um, with regards to yeah, it is Corey at Corio Four. <laughs> um, he does some really cool work with regards to uh, to just doing artistic renderings of the Chiefs. It's kind of fun to see. Um, he asks, "Are we looking at a 2003 Chiefs kind of season again? High scoring offense, below average defense, a lot of close wins, and a playoff collapse?" I don't think so, and here's why. First things first, with regards to that 2003 defense, you have to remember they actually weren't horrific until Mike Maslowski went down. Which I know sounds crazy, but he really was the glue. Mike Maslowski, I am convinced, and I will go to my grave believing this, he was the difference between a Super Bowl and them getting bounced in the playoffs that year. Because he was the glue guy on that defense. He was a, he was an above average inside linebacker, but more importantly, he was kind of the, the guy on the field. He was the guy that got everyone lined up. He was the captain of the defense. And when he went down, you can actually look at the splits on this. When he went down, the defense went from maybe a bit below average to completely awful. I am convinced that they could have won the Super Bowl if he had stayed healthy that year. It was such a bummer. I don't think it's a 2003 defense, and here's why. The 2003 defense did not feature anyone as talented as Eric Berry, as Kendall Fuller, as Chris Jones, as Justin Houston, or even D. Ford. They did not feature, or as Anthony Hitchens, they did not feature anyone with that kind of talent level. And the Chiefs have multiple guys with that kind of talent. And so they are a much more talented defense. They just have holes in other places. The defense has a much higher ceiling than that defense did because there is more talent. Um, N. Kramer asked, prediction on how many games the Chiefs are in prime time. Uh, man, I hope they have as many as possible. I think with a new quarterback and all that kind of stuff, uh, there's going to be a lot of excitement there, and so I think they'll get quite a few. I'm hoping they get quite a few because I am still, and I'm going to keep you guys posted on this, 
I'm trying to convince my wife to help me find a couple people to go halvesies with on season tickets. And if we do something like that, I would hope I would I would need to wait until the schedule came out. But I would because you know I'm a pastor and apparently they need me in church on Sundays. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. They. I would only be able to go to primetime games, so I'd have to find someone who was willing to let me take all the primetime games. Yeah, I know. It's it's going to be a tall ask, but I'm excited to see that, so I'm, that's one reason I'm hoping to have as many primetime games as possible because I think I've got like a 1% chance of talking her into this. Um... Justin Gassman asks, how confident are you in the outside linebacker depth this year with a four-man rotation, likely of Houston, K-Pass, Ford, and Nicholas? So much depends on D. Ford's health and Passanio's development. Passanio wasn't awful by the end of the year last year. He was a guy you could rotate in there, but he didn't really move the needle much. D. Ford moves the needle as a pass rusher, but he's bad against the run. Hopefully, contract years, they're not undefeated, but they, they generally help players do well. And so I'm hopeful that passing, you know, if he takes another 10% step forward and Ford stays healthy, that's a solid rotation. I can't count on anything from Nicholas yet because he hasn't been healthy at all. Joe Jackson asks, who has the better year? Trubisky, Watson, or Mahomes? Ha! Obviously Mahomes. Come on. We're, it's, it's March, man. This is the time for us to continue to get more and more hyped until it reaches an unbelievable crescendo in around August when we are convinced that he's going to throw for 7,000 yards. Uh, Merv87 asks, how many times will you watch the Denver game in Week 17 before preseason starts? I don't know how much more I could possibly glean from it. Um... But, I mean, if I think of another interesting topic regarding that week, then I will definitely watch it again. Mailbag question from Nathan Carnahan. Mailbag question, where do I send mailbag question to? Well, that's an interesting question, Nathan. I, I, I think we've reached some kind of inception point here. But, yes, you send it to me on Twitter. I feel like that's a trick. Um, I had another couple questions about the draft. So, if I ignored your question about the draft, I'm sorry. It's because I already talked about this. Um... I've got a question here. Oh, man, Peters. Oh, man. Jason Brookins asks, I don't hear many people talking about the lack of interest around the league regarding trading for Peters. Hard to be mad the Chiefs didn't retain him or get more compensation if no team across the board is willing to offer more than the Rams did. Agree? Um, well, for one thing, Jason, I guess one thing I would disagree on is that people aren't talking about it. I've heard a lot of people talk about the fact that no one was interested in Peters. Uh, I've heard a ton of people. I've talked about it. And so I, 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 do, I do agree with this. The fact that the Chiefs didn't get more for him, I'm not mad about that because there just wasn't enough interest to get more. I am bothered by the fact, and I've talked about it on this podcast, what I think happened there. I think Peters holds a lot of responsibility here, but I think the coaches hold a lot of responsibility here. I think you end up in you know, almost a, a, a measuring contest, as it were, and, and they, they felt like they just couldn't do anything else with him. Now, my my. I'm bothered by this because I feel like this is something that probably could have been avoided, and I would feel a lot better about the Chiefs' defense if Peters were still there because they'd have an incredibly strong corner group. And so I agree that there's no use getting upset about the compensation, especially when you look at some of the compensation for other trades. I think they got an okay return for him considering the lack of interest. I just wish they would have found a way to make it work in general. We're at 30 minutes. Man, there's so many of these mailbag questions, guys. I'm going to try. Um... I've got a question from, let's see. Thank you, Alex asks, can you predict how many points our defense will allow next season? I'm thinking we're going to be around the 24 points per game mark. Actually, no, I'm going to say 23. Generally speaking, they've been good about not allowing a lot of points. Even last season, they were good about that. Um, 
Josh Webb asks, would you ever consider having more than one episode per week? Uh Perhaps a solo episode, also an episode with a guest that comes out on Fridays because I can't get enough, to be honest. I will think about that, Josh. Um, I do like the idea of recording with guests, but that gets a little more complicated. Um, Andrew asks, Chiefs 2018 MVP, I think it's going to be Mahomes. I have talked myself into it, uh, that it's going to be Mahomes. I think I really have talked myself into the idea that he's going to have a great year. From what I've heard... As much as Andy and Brett Veach rave about Mahomes in public, from what I've heard, they're even more crazy about him in private. I hope that's true. Um, Seamus Levin asks, also, is the idea of Hitchens playing right outside linebacker Ford gets hurt completely crazy? Yes, it's completely crazy. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Um, Joe Mesa says, do you feel like the safety market is on pause until after the draft? If so, do you think we will get Trey Boston? Man, I'll say it again. I hope so. And this is a side note. I had a few people ask me about this. I have no idea... What is going on with um with the with the current safety market? You still have multiple competent safeties on the market. You have guys signing for really cheap deals, and teams just don't seem interested. I don't think the safety class is that strong in the draft, so I don't know what the deal is. Boston might be a bad against the run, but he is a very competent over-the-top safety, and it's driving me crazy that the Chiefs aren't signing him. And so I don't know what the deal is with the safety market. It has been genuinely bizarre this offseason. Um, I've got time for just a couple more. Uh, Cody asks, what's your favorite Chiefs win you have ever seen on TV or in person? You know, there's a... It's kind of interesting. My favorite game that I ever went to was... And people are not going to like this. My favorite game that I ever went to was the, the, the loss to the Steelers in the playoffs. And here's why. That was the only game I've been to with both of my oldest sons. And it was just a blast. I had so much fun. And it was also the most electric I've ever seen Arrowhead. And yes, it ended badly. But because of the situation and because who I was there with, I just loved it. Now, if you want to talk about the best win I've ever seen... I would have to say the Redskins game last year was a lot of fun because of the comeback, but the best win I ever saw was the 2014 win over the Seahawks, and I was there with my wife, and you know it was a cold day. Well, cold to you guys. For us, we were, we were fine. It was like 30 degrees, guys. Come on. Anyway, so it was just such a great day because Jamal Charles was just absolutely brilliant, and he was so much fun to watch, and I remember that was one of the few times my wife has ever been like genuinely impressed by a football player. I remember that was the first time she ever said, it looks like he's it looks like he's wearing skates and everyone else is stuck running. And I agree. Man, Charles was so, so great. It was it was the most impressive thing I've ever seen in person from an athlete. Uh let's think maybe two or three more here. Keith McLean. McLean? McLean? You know, Keith, I know you, but I've never actually figured out how to pronounce your last name. Best fullback, Kimball Anders, Tony Richardson, or Anthony Sherman. All due respect to Anthony Sherman, Kimball Anders, and, 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 and Richardson. They're, they're in a class by themselves there. I said Tony, right? Not Trent. Man, I made that mistake once. Oof, it was ugly. Anyway, T. Rich, easily. And that's all due respect to Kimball Anders. T. Rich is the greatest blocking fullback to ever live. Uh, and all you got to do is watch some of those 2003-2004 highlights, and you will see him laying guys out and making incredible, incredible blocks. He is just so good. One of my favorite players ever. Um, let's see. 
We've got uh, Brian Chaney asks, how do you think Damian Williams will be used? Which existing running back is at risk of being cut due to this signing? I th- I would think probably West, but I don't know how Ware's recovery is going. I think he's going to mostly be used as a third down back guy. He's a talented receiver and a veteran who knows how to pass block. So I think that's the direction they're going with him. I really think his, ru- his signing is a portent of potential things to come with regards to the spread offense. Um... Darren Bloxham, we're going to do two more. Who will have more receptions and yards, Hill or Watkins? Oh, man. I think Watkins will have more receptions, and I think Hill will have more yards. Um, I, I think they I think they're gonna put up video game numbers. I had someone ask me a last Jedi question and I really wanted to answer it, Wade Blankenship. I really do, but I just can't because I am kind of disappointed with it and I don't want to talk about it because it it was a really good movie. I enjoyed it a lot, but the longer I've thought about it since leaving, the more it's bummed me out. You know what I am gonna talk about it for just a second. It bums me out a little bit because it makes everything that Luke Skywalker did throughout his whole life feel almost pointless. Like, he was the the young, optimistic kid, and he spent his whole life fighting, he spent his whole life striving, and in the end, it was all to just hit the reset button, and everyone was back where it started. That That's depressing to me. I'm going to be honest. It makes, and yeah, sure, that's more real. I don't watch Star Wars for real. <laughs> and so... That's the uh, that that's my short answer with regards to that. Um, got one more question from Mr. Stelia Girl. Goodness gracious, man! Seriously, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. Anyway, assume Mahomes has a great year yet burns out come playoffs. Do you point your finger at Andy? As always, it depends on exactly what uh, what happens in the game. Um, you know, if Mahomes just, you know, melts down and makes a bunch of really bad throws, I'm not going to blame that on Andy Reid. However, if there are similar looking issues, it's going to cause me to start wondering why are execution failures of a similar type happening with such a radically different quarterback? It'll be at least worth asking the question. And so that, you know, Andy Reid is now with his guy, his quarterback. Now, to be fair, Alex was his guy too, but this is the guy he drafted. He's saying some huge things about Mahomes. This is the next few years. That is where Andy Reid, he's always got a, he's already got a big legacy. He's already got a good legacy. He's, you know, top 10 in wins, clearly one of the best offensive minds of his time. Um, He's got a great legacy as a coach. I would say probably a Hall of Fame legacy already. However, what he does with Mahomes over these next few years, these these last, you know, four years of his contract or five years or whatever it is, he will determine what his ultimate legacy is. If him and Mahomes go on to win a Super Bowl together and Mahomes does great and becomes a Hall of Fame quarterback, Reed is going to be inextricably tied to that. And it will have him, in my opinion, go down as one of the best coaches ever. However, if things kind of continue the same course that they've been for Reed throughout his career, where it's kind of close but no cigar, and Mahomes is good but not great, well, I think Mahomes, I think Reed will still go down as a, as a, as a, as a great coach, but he'll still be in that lower tier of very, we'll say, very, very good coaches. So a lot rides on on Patrick Mahomes' arm. Fortunately, it's a great arm. That's what I've got for you guys today. Of course, we went a little longer than I intended with the mailbag questions, but I really wanted to get to as many as possible. I apologize to everyone who I've missed because they're just a bunch of great ones that I just did not have time for. I appreciate you guys listening. If you could make sure to subscribe and rate and review and all that fun stuff. Um, I do think we're actually on Google Play now, and so if you want to find that, go for it. Any... Um, 
platform that you use that you would download it on, uh, let me know if we're not on it, and I will talk to Pete Sweeney because he knows about such things that I don't, and we'll get us on there. I appreciate you guys listening as always. It's one of the big privileges of my life to talk Chiefs with you guys, and we're going to do it again next week. And so until then, you know what? Again, it is a good week to be a Chiefs fan. I will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>